I'm Jess. And I'm George. And I'm their cousin Vinny. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between them. <laughs> I'm happy you're married, which is also a weird thing for you given your personal yeah. history. I never thought it would be possible to get married. I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime, that it would be something that you could even talk about, let alone that it would be legally possible. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it, it without was, transitioning and, you know, yeah. to have a same sex marriage was just not, not something I thought would, that I would see in my lifetime. And the rest of us never thought we'd see you that committed to a person that you'd actually want to. <laughs> oh, you mean that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, you did find yourself a winner, I have to say. Or, or one that we weren't going to say. Are you sure? Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Yeah. You I might know. commit, but the rest and of us would be maybe trying Maybe we to... think, really, really, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say about that. I, like, I still wonder if she's been lost these last four years. <laughs> she's shaking her head. No, I think she's okay. <laughs> but really, like, uh, gender-wise, too, this is, like, kind of an odd thing because uh, she's always been into, like, well, whenever I saw her with somebody, she was going after somebody that was very high fam. And for and I knew her um, very tangentially for like three years prior to her even noticing me and uh, wouldn't give me the time of day. Literally, like, wouldn't talk to me. I was like, she has a very interesting mannerism such that, you know, she just gives you this look and you feel like a little tiny turd, right? And so, like, it's... Oh my God. Well, there was this weird pattern that I had in my, uh, life for a while where, um, where, and this is the breakup part, right? So I, I would like go out with women for like four years. And, um, at the conclusion of that, it was a foregone conclusion that they would become a sex worker or get involved with somebody old enough to be their father. And this was, and sometimes pattern. both. Yeah. Sometimes both. Sometimes I was going to say. Like yes. the, 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 the whole, very first the one. first part of the trend was both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That happened for a while. Um, and then I, you know, I felt like I, I broke the trend when I actually became a sex worker as a pornographer and, and just suddenly like that was over. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, really like, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, like I <laughs> actually like there was a, um, there's an ad I wrote once on Craigslist that was supposed to be like a joke. And I was just, it was after, uh, you know, the most recent long-term girlfriend had, who, who had left her husband to be with me, to become a lesbian, had, uh, gone on to date somebody old enough to be your father. And I thought, Good God, this again. I am losing my mind. I cannot take any more. And so I wrote this ad that was just like this parody of like. Um, all your previous relationships. All my previous relationships. Like, and it was called, uh, you probably aren't miswrite. And I was also in engineering school then. And so it was like this statistical analysis of like everything that was going to go wrong with my future girlfriend. Right. And it was just like, um, you know, like, you know, there was that, there was a pie chart that involved like, uh, why we didn't have sex. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, um, it was, you were sexually abused. Um, you're secretly asexual. Uh, you like control more than sex. Um, and, um, yeah. 
and and anyways like in in like a significant part of it i was just like yeah i'm sorry you know like you know if if, if all the statistics are be, to be believed you were sexually abused as a kid i'm really sorry about that i was too and the only thing that i've you know like taken away from it that's like still damaging to my life is the people that i choose you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i i don't i don't know how i um lucked out and finally like attracted and chose somebody really great but i did you did, and now you're not just married, but you're a parent. I know. Not just married, but happily married, I thought you Oh, yeah, say. I was going to say, yeah, that too. Yes. You're, you're yeah. happily married. You're not just surviving and treading water no. and keeping your spouse yeah. afloat. No. Which George and I both did for a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing. Like, I, I had this process of converting, like, perfectly capable working people into People that can never get a job again. Yeah. By the time you were done dating. Yeah. By the time I was done dating them, they just, you know, like working was not in their vocabulary. It was very strange, but yeah. Yeah. The statistics were there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm like happily married, which nobody ever expected, including me. And, And in fact... The thing that happened right before I met my wife is I was like, I was living in that crazy rural community and there was like a lot of retired people and they actually, they lived on my kind of block and they were all like hippies that were like self-aware and working on themselves and like going to therapy and doing yoga and had belonged to cults and all sorts of crazy stuff. And they were, you know, they were all like 60 to 70 or something like that. And one day... I looked around and I was like, all these people have done all this work on themselves and they're nuts. They're still acting like five and 10 year olds. And like, I don't know what fantasy I'm chasing, but there isn't a reasonable person out there because if this is as good as we can get working this hard, then there's just no hope. And I was like, well, I might as well just date people. So I did. Like, I, like, just dated you for did, two years. Yeah, like, and just before you met your wife, you were dating this really weird straight yeah. ace lady. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a, But I had just kind of given up, and then and then I met my wife, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, this, this is what is impossible. And but so like it's possible. Our, yeah, and so our, our wedding, like, uh, there was, like, like a little unicorn theme because she's a unicorn, right? Like she's the impossible, mythical, <laughs> unbelievable thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, and in fact, I even made gift tags for your presents that were because uni- <laughs> that said on your invitation, yeah. coming together like a unicorn and a butterfly, rainbow, rainbow butterfly. butterfly, rainbow butterfly. And yes. so I had to. I kept it in my car for the longest time because I'd read it again once in a while because it was yeah. so great. <laughs> It totally yeah. was. And so I had to make a rainbow butterfly and a unicorn. And, yeah. And I, you know, it was very fun. Yeah. And very gay, I have to say. Mm-hmm. It was very gay. Yeah. So, so I'm lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I never, there's a way that I felt like I imagined my life into being, right? And I hadn't imagined this. So I like just don't even know how I got so lucky. The universe had it in for you. Yeah. That's kind of where George and I are at. Like, neither of us would have ever imagined anything like this for ourselves, but it's the best thing ever, so. Yeah. 
the other day I said, I love you. And he says, why? And I said, because I tried not to and it didn't work. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's true. (laughs) And he knows it because he tried not to also. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So like, now how does that put you in with the queer community, which I know you've said that you really miss having moved out to the burbs with your family. You know, Which the the burp thing is a lot to do with the kids' needs, right? Yeah, so. like there's the custody arrangements that forces us to live like where we live, mm-hmm. and so we we talk a lot about like when the you know like it's, it, we've got seven years until the youngest one turns eighteen, and um and when we celebrate her birthday, we're celebrating for us too that we're we only have three and a half. You only have three and a half until for the one. oldest one. Yeah, three and a half years till the oldest one, and we could probably get our custody arrangement adapted for the younger one. Yeah, that's good. Although I don't know, our judge just got reelected, so. I'm sorry. Yeah, until we have a little bit of freedom. But, yeah, I understand that. It'll be freedom for us, too. Yes. And I'm not sure I, like, miss the the queer community exactly. Like, there's a way that when I started to feel really genderqueer, I did not feel safe with lesbians, actually. The lesbians that I knew of were all very like serious and like uh without humor and took it as kind of like a betrayal when the, like somebody they knew became bisexual you know what i mean or like not feeling uh, there's this exclusionary female, right? sense in especially like the political lesbians yeah of you are a woman and you are a woman and you like women because being a woman is awesome and so you should like someone who likes to be a woman and and how dare you betray everything that we stand for? Maybe that's what it is. I just know that there's like this really visceral sense of betrayal that like I've sometimes seen when like a guy transitions or like a woman is bisexual or you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in, in some way, not yeah, like I've seen the biphobia. Yeah. Like a standard lesbian. So I think the thing that I miss is not actually the queer community as much as the the privilege that you get being around a queer community, right? Like, and here's one thing that I want to say is, like, when George and I were living together, like, the the world was a really, like, different place, and it was super hostile um, for queers, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that That's it stopped being... Lesbian Avengers came about. Yes! <laughs> And by that, living together, you say you were roommates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you we were lived. not partners. No. no, no. <laughs> that um, would be weird. Yeah, that would be weird. So, but in like about 1993, you started to see like in the magazines and stuff like that. I remember there was like a article, Lesbian Chic, that was on the cover of one of these glamour magazines. I can't even remember which one. And I thought holy cow, things are really changing. And things did change. Like, it was easier to go to the doctor, you know, which is hard. I yeah. Like, was really, really hard. You know, mm-hmm. like, going to the doctor and um, not looking like I, I was expected to look. It was very hostile. And we weren't in some kind of rural place. We were in the middle of San Francisco. Yeah. Yes, which so. is, like, queer Mecca. But even so, you're yeah. still, like, the discriminated class. Yeah. Which trans still is. Yeah. To a big extent. Yeah. So I um I miss the the privilege that comes from living in an area that's already been kind of educated. Mm-hmm. More than 
you know, like the, the community aspect. Although, I mean, like the reality is like we, we have a lot of gay male friends and I really love hanging out with them. And you mentioned one specific instance where your white middle-class suburban parenting has been a problem, not just for you, but for your kids. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. So, uh, you know, like our older daughter, she's 15 now, but, um, when she was in middle school, I know people have all sorts of fleeting kind of relationships. And so she had a, and by relationships, I mean friendships or any other kind of relationships. Mm -hmm. And so she had a, a friend for a while in middle school, um, that lived around the corner from her dad's house. And we lived within walking distance of her dad's house too. And for a long time, you know, like there's that thing that happens in elementary school and middle school and a little bit less so in high school of like, I need to meet these parents before like my kid spends any considerable amount of time. And so what would happen is like the, the parent, the mom would uh, come over and I would be around or my nephew would be around or my mother-in-law would be around, but uh, my wife wasn't. Mm -hmm. And um, and your wife being your kid's biological mother, yes. this would be the parent that the straights are looking for. Apparently. Mm -hmm. Apparently. Like, which was also a little bit odd to me because, it, like, you know, the reality is, like, the adult in the house is kind of what I more care about. Like, all the adults in the house. Like, mm -hmm. what are all the influences happening there, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, really, like, what she wanted was to meet my wife. And so one day, like she finally really worked hard to arrange it, to show up at a time when uh, my wife was home and we have like kind of view from our kitchen, which is like kind of like down this hill up into where you can park to go to our house. And, and we can see her uh, like putting on makeup in order to meet my wife, which is just a little bit odd. We were like, okay, she could be like one of those women who always like puts her face on before she like meets somebody. Okay. It turns out she's not one of those people. She's a little bit butch. And I, I think in the closet, because like what then proceeded is that she got pretty obsessed, like intermittently obsessed and freaked out by my wife <laughs> and mm -hmm. by me. And I was like, you know, Satan or something like that. Actually, I was like a 25 year old Satan. Um, <laughs> she, she thought you were younger. Yeah, no, no, wife. I was, I was like 42 and I, I had to tell her that at some point. And she was like, really? You look so young. And I thought, you were probably having those crazy gay parties at your house with all those like young men having sex on the, but like, no, we're, we're still parents, you know, like we do, we do, you know, so her impression of gay people in general is that we were having sex in front of the kids that we were having friends over who were sexually inappropriate in front of the kids. And also like there was this way that she, and I, and I confronted her on this. Like she, I was at some point I was just like, your daughter is not thinking about it's having sex. Your daughter is not, she doesn't care in the same way that my daughter doesn't care about it. It's just like, whatever those old people, like, you know, onto the next thing, you're having a problem where you can't stop thinking about having uh, us having sex and you need to stop because it's not appropriate. Young lady. <laughs> Our kids about those things. And her response was, I know, I know, I just can't stop thinking about it. I don't know what to do. And she was kind of almost at the point of banging her, her head or pulling out her hair. She was so <laughs> frantic. It's crazy. It is crazy. The other thing is like, I, you know, I used to have like an old truck that ran on biodiesel and 
was into electric cars and stuff like this. And, and I was very attached to my truck, but the police were like, oh, it's a poor person in the suburbs and they just would follow me around. And so the, the, the combination of those two things was like enough that I just don't, um, I, I, I don't like being there, like even a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And they don't care that you have an engineering degree and that you built your biodiesel and that, nope. you know, they don't care that I make more money than them. They don't care no. that I like help run companies. They don't care about any of that stuff because what they see is like, I don't know, um, this... a 25 year old. Well, actually, I think I'm now you do looking... look younger. I know now, but now I'm in my thirties, apparently mm-hmm. like visually <laughs> I'm in my thirties and, um, you know, a crazy, crazy 30s queer person that doesn't fit well in that gender world, right? Mm-hmm. And and that was actually, I'm pretty sure, an issue for her, too, is, like, my wife, she was just kind of like, well, she's got short hair, she's clearly a lesbian, because I know she's a lesbian, but she's feminine, and she's a mom, and she was married, and, like, and, and at some point, she, like, did this whole confrontation of her, of just, like, well, what does this mean, and is your husband gay, and we had said something really vague, and then she started hating him, too, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> yeah, That's... the suburbs are a weird place, and they, yeah, yeah. you even, because you do make more money than those people who kept bothering you, you could just buy a sedan and drive that instead. <laughs> well, that's what I ended up doing in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like, but I mean, it had to do with the kids too, because like in a truck, you have like two seats and mm-hmm. we have two kids. And you know, like mm-hmm. it's not legal anymore to throw them in the back and just run down the highway with that. No, it's not. <laughs> no, so uh... I find that mildly disappointing to be honest. <laughs> It was fun when I was a kid. I mean, I'm still alive. Um, but, you know, like at some point it was just like, well, it's getting pretty inconvenient to not have a car. And, uh, and so. Yeah, my car only seats four. So if I have to go get kids for some reason, I can't that's... have my wife with me. Yeah, that's like why when we walked around the block earlier, one of us or some of us still had to actually walk yeah. back. Because. Yeah. Because we wouldn't. But it's it? not to that point of inconvenience. Uh, Jess did make sure to buy a car that fit all five of us, mm-hmm. so we can go places together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, when I bought a car last but year. But with my car, I typically don't need to. You don't have the whole family in the car at one time. I would have if it had been seating five people. I probably, I probably would have. But since you would it have. doesn't, and the car's paid off. I'm not going to buy yeah. another car for any reason in particular. No, your um, car works well and. Even when I was driving the retired police cruiser, it was... We, all, was we all fit in there. We all fit. When I come home, I, I've driven a lot during the week, so I just have my wife drive us somewhere. Besides, she has the hybrid thing that, you know, yeah. isn't well, quite as worn out. I have 140,000 miles in my car. I got the hybrid thing, too, and it's orange. Yeah, see, that's a little better. That's and, happy. And from my opinion, most of those people who, who used to bother you just think, Oh, you got the orange one because those are cheaper. Because you, know, you want the orange car. <laughs> yeah, that's it's probably you. true. Is, is, being it, economical. is it attention orange? Yeah, and it, <laughs> and when I first got it, I was like so horrified to have like a new car and that it wasn't biodiesel and all this kind of stuff. And so I um, put pinks, giant pink sticker spots on it because part of my like uh, effeminate male reality is like all the colors. 
all the colors. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and I love the fact that you view that as being not feminine, but being effeminate. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, you were the person that once had the glitter mobile. I did. I did. I also, I also had a. Um, my first car was a postal jeep. Nice. Yeah. So well, not only was it a postal on the jeep, wrong side of the car. Well, yeah, but it was like a canvas too, right? Uh-huh. So, um, it had spots, it had stripes, and for a while, like the the driver's side door, which was right next to the people, right, because uh-huh. you're on the wrong side, um, had. Uh, written on it, this pussy has teeth. And so people, like, guys would come up to me and I'd have my window down and they'd roll their window down. And I don't know what they were thinking when they said this, but they'd be like, so this pussy has teeth. And I'd be like, yeah, and it's going to bite your dick right off. And then they'd, like, roll up their window. (laughs) And I was like, what did you think was going to happen here? (laughs) But eventually, like, my girlfriend's parents were coming, and I had to paint over it. <laughs> I, I rode around in the back of the postal jeep a lot on the spare tire because there weren't any other seats in there. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And actually, that girlfriend, she used to steal the car all the time. Do you remember that? Like, this girlfriend moved into my house twice without my permission, um, and then and both times that she moved out, she moved within a block of my house and I was being harassed in the neighborhood. There was, there was somebody that had it like out for me. And so they were always finding ways to break into my car and steal the battery. And like, there was a, there was a moment when like this girlfriend who was like, no, no, you're just crazy paranoid person was just like, Oh my God, they really are out to get you. Cause like, it was like crazy locked down and you know, like all. And so what we ended up doing is I would bring the battery in every day Right. And so like, but, but sometimes like have trouble with this girlfriend cause she was a little crazy and she it was into the house twice, twice, twice. Right? Oh, you won't notice I'm living here. Uh, yeah. Well, well, the first it, time it amazes me that, you know, this is completely within the norm for your past dating experience. <laughs> well, yeah, it was totally within the norm. And I just have to say, I'm sorry, because my fault, I found her. Oh, you did. I found her. I was taking a walk when I was living at... Yeah, near uh, UCSF, and she was working Yeah, because I was living there with a girlfriend. Yeah. And I was taking a walk, and she was a nice little Jewish girl that started talking to me, and I was like, oh, here you go. Yeah, and I was like, cousin. oh, I'll take a Jewish like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and so so the first time that she moved in, it was because she moved into an apartment, and the apartment had roaches, and she literally had, like, a psychotic break about the roaches. I would. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I You know, I grew up in Miami. The roaches were bigger than me. Solved the problem. Well, she just... It, I mean, this is how it happened. She was just like, I'm just going to spend the night at your house. And then her stuff just started coming. And then it just so happened that one of my roommates moved out. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then she was in the room paying rent. And I was like, okay, you've got to move out. And it took like three months to get her back out. And she moved around the corner. Girls are crazy. Yeah. And then I don't even remember how she managed to get herself that back in the second time. But like when she was not living in the house and the the – the, there was like a staircase that went up to our apartment. And so like the battery would be, you know, just inside the door because the people that were targeting me had not figured out that they could just break the door down and get the battery. Right. Um, and so, so, but what would happen is she'd get angry at me 
and she'd decide, I'm going to go for a ride. And she, and I'd hear the, the front door open and then the front door close and then the battery was gone and she'd stolen my car. <laughs> and this is why a lot of us thought you would never get married. <laughs> So, I still have to look for that T-shirt and so see if I have the Lesbian Avengers T-shirt in the garage and give it to you. That was a pretty funny organization. Yeah, and it was Exodus that like um, that the Lesbian Avengers set loose a plague of grasshoppers <laughs> in biblical sense to like you know demonstrate like their dissatisfaction with the program. <laughs> That's great. That's yes. totally great. That's great. Oh goodness. I do, and I have seen all around me people that um, seem very clearly transgendered and don't have any words for it and don't have any resources, right? And that it's not so severe in their life because they are maybe genderqueer that they have to, like, that they feel like I have to transition, right? Like that something is wrong and that there's never any vocabulary for it. And it feels, I feel like a a sense of loss not being part of the that um, porn and transgendered scene anymore that I'm kind of in this camp. There was like a way that in my family I would talk about like um, not feeling at all feminine or being uh, like a, a gay guy and they would get really uncomfortable, right? And, um, and I, you know, just stopped talking about it. And there isn't, you know, like in, in a in a, you know, like I'm an engineer, there's, there's, it's just not possible to talk at work about like some of these issues, even in a situation where I've created like a 50, 50 work environment, because the reality is like all the it's women, it's still a binary environment. Well, not only that, but all the women that I, uh, that work for me, look up to me as like a role model for what it is to be a successful woman in the industry. And I can't just be like, well, actually, I don't even feel like a woman. I don't know what you're going through. Sorry about that, you know? <laughs> yeah, there is that. So I feel um, really isolated, and it's and it started to make me, I think, identify with all those people that I still see around me that, that seem really isolated and without the vocabulary to talk about it. Yeah, and it's hard when you know that you've had these role models in your own life that become these big stepping stones for you and then you feel like if I could be more integrated in the community I might be able to give some of that back and be some of that for these people who don't have the vocabulary for their identity who don't have a way of understanding or a framework in which to put these aspects of their own being I don't know I'm not I'm not really sure I mean it I feel like there's a there's like the people that I'm seeing, like there's, there's somebody in that rural community that I was talking about that, um, is, uh, so profoundly butch that it, like, actually there were two people there. They're so profoundly butch that they like pretty much pass as men all the time, even though they haven't done any body modification. And one of them is straight or whatever, which is to say like identifies as female and, and goes out with men. Sometimes she goes out with, uh, butch women. Like, I feel like if I were to even talk to them about it, it would be like I would be uh, threatening because it would it would rub again, up against the kind of like the scar tissue of denial that they had wrapped themselves in. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
to me, when you're saying this about the, you know, loneliness thing, or somebody to talk to just in general about something that struck you or whatever, it makes me think of if I couldn't, you know, talk to Jess about what, you know, transition things are easy to talk to Jess about, or, but other, the other thing that would probably drive me over the edge is if I couldn't talk about the problems that we are having with one of our special needs kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have Jess to talk to, I have my work wife, you know, I have a handful of people that I can easily talk about. You, you, you won't believe that, that my seven-year-old called me a motherfucker, this mo- you know, last night because I wouldn't call <laughs> his friend back for the tenth time. And, he, you know. Yeah. Someone to just talk to that you, you feel better when you can talk about yeah. stuff and, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So, so I think you guys better drive up here and see us some more. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a good <laughs> yeah. plan. Yeah. yeah. Hang out. Yeah. And the last time I talked to you on the phone, I got to tell you, it was like such a huge relief. I felt like I was having like a gender meltdown, you know? Mm-hmm. Feeling so stuck in the binary environment or. I uh, just feeling so like invisible. Not even the binary, because I just don't fit, right? And, mm-hmm. and it makes people uncomfortable. You know? mm-hmm. That does. And, and Jess and I have talked about that before. One of the easiest things for me with transition was all of a sudden people knew what to do with me, or at least yeah. they thought they did. Yeah. yeah. Whereas before they really didn't. And it's interesting what you're saying about you see these people that are lost there and some of them would be very threatened by, you know, having that type of conversation about what's going on with them. I see the people who start to transition and then decide, okay, this is all I needed and because I'm genderqueer. And they are really like in the spotlight Mm -hmm. of not fitting. Because they're really... Crazy and I, I worry real, about right? them because I think, wow, that's a hard, that yeah. can be really hard to yeah. deal with the world from that spot. And mm-hmm. some of them that, that I see on YouTube deal with it, they they appear to be dealing with it very well. Yeah. But I, I just think. It feels like a, a target type it, situation. It, yeah, it's, yeah. It skates a little too close to most of my life of just feeling like the worried uh, feeling of, uh-oh, what's going to happen if. These other people around me figure this out. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And and by worried I mean fear for your life. Yeah. That yeah. and that's a queer thing. That's I mean, yeah. to me that's the queer world that you and I grew up in. Yeah. Of Are they gonna fuck us or kill us? Yeah. And the, <laughs> we didn't want either one, so it was <laughs> yeah. all bad. Thanks for coming in talking yeah. to the microphone with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No problem. Easy we- only I get Subjected to this and subject everybody else to it that bothers to turn it on, I suppose. Yeah. You saw our stats. There's apparently enough people that we connect with that, Mm -hmm. you know, we're hopefully doing some good in the world and hopefully your story will. And and I was thinking the other day, sometimes it doesn't happen right then because I didn't find gender cast until a few years after they were going. So. You know. That's the thing about podcasts. They live on and on. Yeah. In good ways. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm asking you if that's it or you're asking me if that's it because I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs>
So that should be it. That's it. I think so. I think so too. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! Well, I just never thought it would be <laughs> she gave you the teacher look. Did you know what now? Nope, something bad happened. Oh, no, it's still good. It's okay. But that's why she pokes at it to make sure it's not doing something naughty because it has before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It happens. If we're sitting in the bedroom, it's behind one of us. And so if I'm the person that's behind every once in a while, she, she's looking behind me and goes, turn around and poke it. Ha, 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 ha.